it's 11.59 in Cozy Corner. The current temperature is 69 degrees. <laughs> 69. Oh, this weekend is the annual Cozy Corner Police Used Vehicle and Equipment Sale set to take place on the shores of beautiful Cozy Lake. Come get the used police vehicle or equipment of your dreams. And feel free to bring the little ones as the Cozy Corner Parks and Recreation Department have assured us that both the broken bottle and raccoon problems have been taken care of. But in the spirit of caution, tetanus shots will be available on site. Now it's time for everyone, some people's favorite show, the Late Night Fright with Dan and Faith. Yay. It's midnight. Time for the world's most moderately rated public radio show, The Late Night Fright with Dan and Faith. Buckle up. You are cleared for departure. Your destination, the late night fright. Commencing transmission in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the 35th annual Cozy Corner Police Used Vehicle and Equipment Auction. Here on the beautiful banks of Cozy Lake, we have the pleasure of offering you thousands of surplus police vehicles, and we hope to put you in the used police cruiser of your dreams. We'd like to thank our corporate sponsors. Dan, wrong script. This isn't the used police vehicle auction. No, it's the Late Night Fright, our moderately rated public radio show. I'm very sorry, it's been a long week. Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me as always is my often imitated but never replicated co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Summer Slasher Month came and went. Big Monster Month came and went. Life is fleeting. At least we have the memories. But are those memories ours? Or are they implants? That brings us to our newest month of programming, Sci Frightmares. That's right, horror-tinged sci-fi, our two most favorite genres here on the Late Night Fright. Tonight's film, while not the first dystopian science fiction film ever made, has come to be the most highly regarded of the past half century. Before we get to that film, we would like to welcome all of you to the show from wherever you may be. Be you a spook, specter, astral traveler from Dimension X, or if you're going to the Cozy Corner Police Used Vehicle and Equipment Sale this weekend, welcome one and all. We do sincerely hope you get the used police cruiser of your dreams. The four films we picked for Sci Frightmare Month include 1958's The Blob, 1982's Blade Runner, 1993's Fire in the Sky, and 1997's Event Horizon. If you listened to the show last week, and you should have listened to the show last week, you already know what film we selected at random, but if you weren't able to tune in, Faith will now let you know what film is on the slab for post-mortem this evening. 
Tonight, we will be looking back at director Ridley Scott's 1982 dystopian sci-fi masterpiece, Blade Runner, starring Harrison Ford, Rutger Hauer, and Sean Young. Blade Runner, based on the novel Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick, tells the story of Deckard, a special type of policeman known as a Blade Runner whose job it is to hunt down and retire replicants, which are synthetic humans engineered by the powerful Tyrell Corporation. Harrison Ford, between gigs as Indiana Jones and Han Solo, appears in the film as Deckard, the burned-out Blade Runner, and Rutger Hauer, familiar to American audiences for his roles in 1985's Richard Donner film Lady Hawk, and Christopher Nolan's 2005 film Batman Begins, appears as Roy Batty, the replicant who wants more life. Rounding out the cast are Sean Young as Rachel, the replicant who doesn't realize she's a replicant, Edward James Olmos as Gaff, a police officer fond of origami and city speak, Daryl Hannah as the pleasure model replicant Pris, M. Emmett Walsh as Deckard's former supervisor Bryant, William Sanderson as geneticist J.F. Sebastian, Brian James as replicant Leon Kowalski, Joe Turkle as Eldon Tyrell, the man who lives atop the pyramid, and Joanna Cassidy as Zora, the replicant who dances with a snake. Although Blade Runner underperformed during its theatrical run, it has since become one of the most acclaimed and influential science fiction films of all time. It also paints a picture of the future that's scary as shit. On that note, we are going to take a short pause for a coffee cause. It's Sci Frightmare Month on the Late Night Fright. We're so glad you're here. We'll see you on the other side. Fried is made possible through a generous grant from the Welsh Jennings Corporation. Welsh Jennings building a better tomorrow today. Welsh Jennings is proud to announce the opening of Ridley's Replicants, your one-stop shop for all of your robot replicant needs. Perhaps you're looking for day labor, gotta build a new fence. Better fences make better neighbors, or maybe a pleasure model to keep you company in the wee small hours of the morning and indulge in those activities you want to in the daylight. Ridley's Replicants has them tall, small, and all sizes in between. Ridley's Replicants now open on Sacred Burial Road next to the Dark Depository. We'll be back with more of the Late Night Fright exclusively on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. This is Harrison Ford, the Big HF, coming at you with another season of the straight dope the show that gives you the straight dope on the straight dope join me this week as I review Mulder and Scully a new strain of green so good it's spooky my special guest will be Jim Belushi owner of Belushi Farms hey didn't he die 
No, Harrison, that was John Belushi. Oh, yeah. He was in the Blues Brothers. I like that guy. Soul Man is a good tune. Anyway, I'm going to be talking to Jim about all of the dope he's growing, and maybe he'll bring some with him. And straight dope. Only on whatever radio station this is. A dystopia is a fictional community or society that is undesirable or frightening. Dystopias are often characterized by rampant fear or distress, tyrannical governments, environmental disaster, or other characteristics associated with a cataclysmic decline in society. Transhumanism is a philosophical movement, the proponents of which advocate and predict the enhancement of the human condition by developing and making widely available sophisticated technologies able to greatly enhance longevity, mood and cognitive abilities. What do you get when you combine the influence of L. Ron Hubbard, that would be THE L. Ron Hubbard of Scientology fame, hard-boiled detective fiction, and Theodore Sturgeon's surrealistic more than human, a story of humanity broken into different tiers, you get Philip K. Dick's 1968 novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, the book that would go on to inspire Blade Runner, director Ridley Scott's 1982 dystopian masterpiece. Released on June 25, 1982, in the same year that saw the debut of other science fiction classics, including John Carpenter's The Thing, Steven Spielberg's E.T. the Extraterrestrial, Nicholas Meyer's Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, and John Milius's Conan the Barbarian, Blade Runner underperformed at the box office but has gone on to become perhaps the most influential film of the past 40 years. Its influence can be seen on The Matrix and the works of Christopher Nolan, as well as music and video games. The story is very simple. Rick Deckard, a bounty hunter known as a Blade Runner, must retire Rutger Hauer's replicant Roy Batty and his gang. The film feels at times like a classic private detective movie, a private detective movie set in a bleak dystopian future that seems to be run by corporations and an omnipresent police force. Natural life and sunlight are scarce. There is biomedical control over the citizens of this bleak future, an issue that speaks directly to the times we find ourselves living in. There have been several versions of the film released throughout the years. The original theatrical cut included a happy ending that incorporated footage shot by Stanley Kubrick during the filming of The Shining and a voiceover from Harrison Ford that neither the actor nor director wanted. It has been removed from subsequent versions. The look of Los Angeles in 2019 was designed by Lawrence G. Paul. The cinematography was by Jordan Cronenweth and the film was scored by Vangelis. Blade Runner has spawned a multimedia franchise that includes a sequel, Blade Runner 2049, that featured Harrison Ford reprising his role of Deckard, comic books, novels, video games, and Black Lotus, an upcoming anime set in the time period between the two films. College courses are taught on the movie. The film is dense, featuring religious iconography, allegory, symbolism, questions of what it means to be human, environmentalism, globalism, and it still has time to raise the issue of whether or not Deckard is human or a replicant. 
It also has some nice origami. We will be scoring Blade Runner tonight in the category of overall film, and in lieu of stars, we will be awarding it tinfoil unicorns. All right, welcome back to the show. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And what we failed to mention in that intro is that the script was written by Hampton Fancher and David Peoples. Philip K. Dick, the author of Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, notoriously hated Hollywood. He died during the Blade Runner production, but he was okay with the People's Draft. So he signed off on the script, and he is quoted as saying, After I finished reading the screenplay, I got out the novel and looked through it. The two reinforce each other so that someone who started with the novel would enjoy the movie, and someone who started with the movie would enjoy the novel. And he believed that they worked as companion pieces. I am one who went to the movie and then to the novel. They do indeed work as companion pieces. He also got to see... 20 minutes of effects work, and he said it was exactly as he envisioned the world in his head. So, Well, that's cool. So they finally got it right. Yeah. So before we go out to Hell A, that's right, Hell A, a.k.a. Luxury Alcatraz, let's do a coffee check. Faith, what are you drinking tonight? I have Wide Awake's Donut Shop Blend. I have Wide Awake's Seattle Style Dark. As we've said before on the show, Wide Awake Coffee is a wonderful coffee at a wonderful price. Please check them out. All of their blends, we've been very happy with all of them so far. Yes, we have. 100% compostable pods. If that means something to you like it does to us, check them out. Really great coffee at a great price. If you can't find them in your local market, look them up online at wideawakecoffee.com. We're not making money off that. We just like to spread the word about good coffee. Absolutely. And we're, I think we're, I would say I'm pretty picky about coffee. So when I sh- can share a good coffee, you know, it's important. Absolutely. <laughs> good coffee. We have a good movie tonight. Yes, so we before do. we get into it, let me say this. This is a very dense movie. There is a lot going on in this movie, and there's a lot of great information out there on this film. This is not going to be an analysis of what this movie means. This is, uh, it's going to be a little different. We're just going to talk about some things that uh, touched us watching the film. This is Faith's first time watching the movie. I'm excited to talk with her about it because we haven't spoken about it since she watched it earlier today. And uh, so really just things we find interesting, and there's so much great information out there on the making of this film, on deeper dives in the thematic analysis. We're going to hit some of the themes here, but we're not going to this is not the end-all, be-all you know, analysis right. of Blade Runner. Um, I don't know that you could do one. There's college courses taught on it. So, uh, Faith, this is your first time watching Blade Runner. Yes. This is the first film in Sci-Frightmare Month. I couldn't think of a better movie to kick this off. Not exactly a horror movie, but pretty horrific, yeah, I, would I would say. say. What was your general impression of Blade Runner? And I know you did say that you were like, it's a lot of information to take in. <laughs> For the most part, I was thoroughly impressed with it, and there there's a there is a lot of information. It, it is a dense movie, so I feel like I don't know if I necessarily processed everything. It probably will take me a few more watches just to kind of really let everything kind of hit me. But for the most part, I got what was going on, and I really really liked it. So surface level, you really liked it. Oh yeah. Surface level, it's as we said, it's a kind of a future noir. Mm-hmm. Uh, tech noir, if you will. And uh, this is not the first dystopian science fiction movie. Uh, this is not really the first science fiction uh, detective story. Uh, Alphaville, uh, it's a French film by Jean-Luc Godard. He did it, but not like this. And I like, so let's talk surface level stuff here. 
I love the fact that it's a private detective movie. Me too. Set in the future. The great movies, and we've noticed this as we've gotten more and more into the show, the great movies like this, Star Wars is one that does this. I feel like there was one recently we did where it's a very strange world, but everything was very familiar at the same time, too. We did. I can't Maybe Jurassic Park was like that in a way where Maybe. it's familiar because it's a big monster movie, but it's a yeah. little different. But Star Wars, especially, and Blade Runner, it feels very familiar. This could have been set in the 1930s or 40s. Exactly. you got the Venetian blinds like in the uh, mm -hmm. old detective movies. It's lit like an old detective movie. He... Uh, Deckard, as played by Harrison Ford, feels like a hard-boiled detective out of Raymond Chandler. You know, he feels like he fits in in the world of the Maltese Falcon. Sam Spade is looking for the Maltese Falcon. Rick Deckard is looking for Roy Batty. So it's interchangeable. And it harkens back to the roots of old Hollywood. But this is something completely new and right. completely different. And thematically, then, we get in, like, really deep territory with it. But just... Overall, the surface of this is absolutely just wonderfully done. And in the hands of a lesser filmmaker, this could have been really bad. Right. Oh, really absolutely. Bad. But, like, everything here feels like it means something, and it has a, has a place in the movie. Right. It doesn't feel like anything is there at random. Yeah, you know? exactly. So this movie does have a lot of levels to it, a lot of deep levels to it. Again, we're just going to touch on some of the things that uh, – kind of spoke to us as we were watching i'm really excited for your take on it because it's the first time i've seen this i don't know how many times my my introduction to blade runner was like 1990 or so and it was showing on wgn the chicago station mm -hmm. like it was like the seven o'clock movie one night during the week and i remember my dad goes oh this is that movie that's weird <laughs> like so so there was this like kind of kind of knock on the movie that it was weird yeah you know and for harrison ford fans and, and in his filmography it's coming right between raiders and return of the jedi and he's working with ridley scott the director of alien and a lot of people i don't think knew quite what to make of this movie when it was out Possibly. i don't know that we still know quite what to make of this movie but let's see if we can figure out some things about the movie this movie absolutely terrifies me this, oh, yeah. this movie is horrific. Like I said, it's not exactly a horror movie, but it sure is horrific. And for me, what I want to focus on is the world of the future, quote unquote, because now we're living in a time where this movie actually takes place in the past because it's <laughs> yes. uh, L.A. 2019. The place yeah. literally opens up. It, they establish it as hell. It looks like Hades. We've got fire smokestacks going you know yep. we've got the unfinished pyramid which if you're up on your conspiracy knowledge you know that the uh, unfinished pyramid is the symbol of our good friends in the quote-unquote illuminati or whatever it is that they call themselves we have the all-seeing eye the all-seeing eye and again if you know your conspiracy literature that is the all-seeing eye of lucifer or in this case it could be the all-seeing eye of the state because it feels like you're being watched the entire film someone is watching yep. you the entire entire movie someone is watching everyone in this movie this is a, a world that is run by corporations the government does not seem to be an entity in this this is run by corporations let's get into this because it really does speak to real world <laughs> issues doesn't it it does yes it does i'm going to start with this um the key for me to this movie is right in the preamble when they're telling you 
what a Blade Runner is. They're mm-hmm. te- they're giving you, you know, it's like in Star Wars with right. the crawl. You know, right. you're getting enough information so it's like you're not, you know, getting cold water thrown on you. But you got enough so your eyes are open. You go in, you kind of have an idea, and you're putting it together. Okay. The key to understanding this movie is right in the preamble when they say that uh, Blade Runners, when they execute a replicant, it's not called execution. It's called retirement. Changing the language right there. That is an yeah. or that is that is something right out of 1984 in Orwell. And we see it today exactly with uh, PC culture. We've been seeing it with the politically correct culture for 30, 35 years now. Mm-hmm. And George Carlin, the, the wonderful mind that was, he had wonderful bits. And, and a lot of the later stuff that he did is, in his stand-up act revolved around language and the manipulation of language and the misuse of language. Retirement sounds completely different from execution. I would refer you all to his classic bit about shell shock, where he goes, you know, the uh, guys coming out of World War One that were having issues uh, due to PTSD and things like that. It's called mm-hmm. shell shock. Then it became, you know, and then it eventually gets the post-traumatic stress disorder, which takes all of the zing uh-huh. out of it, all the right. meaning out of it, right? So there we go. We got a world where there's not a lot of meaning here. Yeah. Uh, so that was one thing. And then the other thing, we're living in this consumer culture world where advertisements are just everywhere. Every single where. Everywhere. <laughs> Let's apply that to real world. I go online and uh, I look at electric bass guitars or I look at uh, some kind of collectible thing or uh, look up books because uh, I, I, I do read every now and then. <laughs> but if I start searching these things, it trips me out when I go to another site and then in the corner the advertisements start and everything is tailored to what I have been looking at. And I will mm-hmm. never forget the first time that happened to me. And it absolutely scared the hell. It terrified me. Yes, yeah. it did. Uh, is that something that's happened to you? Oh my goodness, more times than I can count. And it's like, you know, can you can they hear us? You know, I mean, absolutely. I, I actually read something oddly enough earlier had nothing to do with this movie, but somebody said they work for I don't know IT or something, and they're like, oh, you know, it does. They can't. Nobody can hear you. It it goes off of people that you're around. So this lady was at her mom's house. And she had been using her toothbrush. I mean, her, not her toothbrush, her toothpaste. That's gross if she's using her toothbrush. And all of a sudden, she was getting ads on her phone of the toothpaste, and she hadn't been discussing it. So somebody said that, like, your phone will start generating things of other people around you, which is still creepy. I mean. Right, right. And it's like, and it's artificial intelligence. Right. You know, That's terrifying. Which is a theme in this movie. You don't movie. need to know who I'm around. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Well, privacy. And this goes right. back, we just celebrated the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks uh, just a few weeks ago, as of the time of this recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to get into that rabbit hole. That's a rabbit hole that I suggest all of you go down and please keep an open mind and go down that rabbit hole. And actually, that 9-11 thing is going to tie into something I'm about to bring up in this film. But uh, one of the things that happened because of 9-11 is they passed the Patriot Act. And the Patriot Act basically gives the government carte blanche to wiretap you, to to spy on you. Mm -hmm. They don't need a warrant. Nope, not at all. So there we go. We're going to suspend the writ of habeas corpus. I'm not a lawyer, but I believe that is the one that we're spending in this case, okay? I, I, I remember at the time, I was 22, 23 when this was happening. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. 
Uh, this is an issue that was raised in The Dark Knight from 2008. If, if you remember, Batman needed to surveil the city to find the Joker. Morgan mm-hmm. Freeman's Lucius Fox didn't like that. And, you know, and Batman didn't really want to do it, but he had to. OK. And they they couched it in. Well, we have to do this to catch the terrorist. OK. But the terrorists are in the government. You know, right. <laughs> the terrorists are telling you we have to take your rights from you, you know, and yeah. to, to save you. You know, we're going to create a problem and then we're going to give you a solution, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. And the solution really then is the problem. Yeah. We'll get to that in a minute, too. That's going on today. Yeah, we're going to have that discussion in just a second. <laughs> but um, but but the advertisement, the advertisement is omnipresent. This is a world that is run by corporations. Today, we are run by the corporations. They're trying. We're not going to have this discussion either, but we just need to bring it up because the government right now is trying to mandate uh, vaccines for the COVID-19 virus uh, on on everyone in all walks of life. And. Uh, some lawyer somewhere says, well, you can't do that because of this little pesky thing called the Constitution. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to pressure the corporations to get make their employees do it. OK, well, what are you doing there? You're, you're ruling through an unelected right. body. Right. This has been going on for a very long time. OK, this yep. is not anything new, but you're seeing it more and more now. And then these these corporate bodies are censoring people. They're mm-hmm. censoring dissenting voices. And these corporate bodies are the media and big tech. And really, I believe it's all owned by one person or a group I of people. So too. But but you're having these corporations do the work that the government can't quote unquote do itself because exactly. of that pesky little document. You know, uh you don't need Google, uh, uh Facebook, mm-hmm. uh Twitter, all of that. Uh you know, so it's like they won. They won. They own. They own this future. They they have created this future. Uh, this future that uh, seems to be completely cannibalistic and capitalistic. And listen, I'm not an anti-capitalist. I'm an anti-predatory uh, uh, capitalism. You mm-hmm. know, I believe that when things are are allowed to work that the way that they should work, that that you know we we turn out okay. You know, right. and listen, I know that's a huge discussion too. You know, if you show me a better system, I'm all for it. But but it does. Any system, though, tends to 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 go one way or the other. Exactly. You know, in yeah. this world, th- it, this is what this has turned into. We've got advertisements every. You can't get away from the advertisements. No. You even click on YouTube, and you have two minutes of advertisements before you can even see right. what you want to view. Right. So we've got a we've got a world where the government or or the ruling entity, the ruling class, let's call them that. Let's call it what it is. It's really ruling class mm-hmm. is telling you what you can and can't say. Yep. They're changing the meaning of words. They're advertising to you. They're selling you all these commodities because you yourself are a commodity to them. There is no privacy. There's lights. Did you notice all of the lights in this movie? Yes. The the spotlights and the searchlights coming through these windows all the time. And we've got a lot of Venetian blinds in here because Mm -hmm. this is uh, heavily influenced by the 30s and 40s detective movies. And so these lights are coming through these Venetian blinds. And it's got this real atmospheric look to it. But... There's no privacy yeah, in this world. Yeah, because seeing those lights come through, like where he lived, I was kind of even thinking to myself, like they're just there's there's always they're always trying to look in, and I'm like, I'd want to hide in the darkest place so no one would see you, you know? Because right. that's just terrifying. 
Right. And it's amazing how disconnected this place feels, mm-hmm. this this world of uh, luxury Alcatraz right. in 2019 <laughs> feels. It, it it He's burned out. You know, Deckard's a great representative for this world. He's burned out, doesn't really want to be a part of it, you know, doesn't mm-hmm. want to help on this case with these replicants, you know. Uh, the artificial intelligence itself has become self-aware, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm wondering... Uh, how close are we in, in our world to the artificial intelligence becoming self-aware? Is it self-aware now? I don't know, but I know it's learning at an exponential rate. And there, I was listening to the best of coast to coast AM with George Norrie because I have to sleep. I can't stay up all hours of the night listening, <laughs> but uh, they, they do have uh, a daily podcast called the best of uh, coast to coast AM. And they'll hit the big thing that they talked about the night before for about 20 minutes. So you can hear, you know, some expert talking to this. Right. And they were talking about artificial intelligence this week. And, you know, uh, they say that we're not at the Terminator level yet with Skynet, but we well, could I mean, get how, there. How close are we? We could get there. Right. You know, um, I mean, because, really? you know, they have they have bots regulating again, going back to like your social media and stuff, regulating content on social media. Exactly. Yeah. It's pretty terrifying. It really it is. Really. It, it, you're taking all the humanity out of everything. I know. You know. Uh, that's one of the things uh, that's kind of funny. You know, they want to have, you know, robotic umpires in baseball. It's like, no, the human the human error in that is what makes that game so beautiful. Yep. You know, so um, uh, science fiction. I was thinking, though, about all the advertisements. There was a great science fiction show back in 1987 or so. Uh, it was called Max Headroom that was based on the character Matt Frewer played. He's a... A big product of the 80s, a computer-generated guy. He would host music videos. And, well, then they did a show that was set in the future. And one of the shows they did was uh, the very first one, the pilot. Uh, they dealt with something called blipverts, which were advertisements that could literally kill you. They oh, would God. stimulate you so much that you would explode. Oh, wow. You know? uh, are, are you? How, how do you feel about advertising? I'm not the biggest fan. I mean, I'm not one that... I'm not really into the whole consumer, you know, like right. I shop, obviously. I, I, I look for things, but I don't need you to throw it down my throat and it just be everywhere. It's a little overwhelming. And The late great comedian Bill Hicks has a bit about marketing and advertising where he says if you're in marketing <laughs> or advertising, please just kill yourself. <laughs> There's no joke here, people. Just kill yourself. I'm not at that point, but... Uh, you know, it's it. No, it, it's just like it, it's, what is the like? I don't feel like there's this big purpose that's you know like providing any like great and and consumerism or anything. And consumerism, yeah. like you have channels that are devoted twenty four seven to shopping, like like QVC and things like that. And it's just, and listen, I'm I'm with you. Like I I shop. Right. I need I need things. Right. You know, but and you look you do searches on things like oh let me look up on the internet for such and such. Yeah. But it's not like I'm constantly like, oh, let me, oh, advertisements. What is, what is this? You know, I'm, honestly, that kind of stuff makes me want to just make my own stuff and grow my own things and just exactly <laughs> avoid any exactly. of it completely. Well, that is not something that you can do in this world. So let's talk about True. this world. This world feels very disconnected spiritually. It feels mm-hmm. very disconnected uh, physically and emotionally. emotionally. It doesn't feel like there's... A lot of empathy in this world. Empathy is one of the themes of the movie, mm-hmm. funny enough. Right. You can't tell the difference sometimes between the machines and the humans. It seems like things 
in this world just exist. They're just there. There seems to have been some kind of environmental catastrophe. I, I think they allude to it in the novel. Forgive me for not knowing exactly what happened. I think there was a nuclear war. But this is a world where there's no sunshine. You know, there's, yeah. and, you know sunlight uh, contains vitamin D and lithium, and sunlight makes you happy. Yep. It, it cures you. It actually is a natural remedy. And there's no sunlight in this world, so there's a lot of it just feels very... Bleak a lot of strife and, and bleak and wet. It's yeah. raining all the time. Depressing and <laughs> uh, globalism won out. Uh, there's uh, Chinese and uh, Japanese graffiti everywhere. There's a there's this uh, kind of real melting pot stew that's going on in L.A. You know, and another key to understanding the movie is in the very beginning when we meet Harrison Ford and he wants to get his dumplings and his noodles and he says four, four, I want four and the old man goes, no, you get two, you get two. So, it seems like everything is regulated. Everything in this movie is is regulated. Even the lifespan of the androids. You know, even uh, the poor J.F. Sebastian played by William Sanderson if you ever watched the old Newhart show in the 80s, uh, the Bob Newhart sitcom where he owned an inn in Vermont, William Sanderson played Larry, uh, who had two brothers named Daryl. Two brothers two, named Yeah, Darryl? hi, I'm Larry. This is my brother Daryl. This is my other brother Daryl. And he was the only one that spoke. <laughs> that show was like Mayberry on uh, acid. It was really good, really good stuff. But, uh, but poor, uh, poor J.F. Sebastian uh, can't get medical clearance to leave to go to Offworld because Offworld is like heaven you know it's Mm -hmm. almost like this heavenly place that we can go to and the people want to get off of this place but they but you know it's like they're stuck in this hell and purgatory and then there's but there's there there's medical uh what's the word i'm looking for uh medical discrimination in this world we we in the world right now are on the cusp (laughs) of i say on the cusp we're there in some places of medical discrimination oh uh, you don't want to take the shot. Well, you you go over there and wear your gold star. You know. Yeah. Um, listen, if you want to take it, take it. If you don't want to take it, don't take it. You know, that's how easy this should be. The thing is, it should just be, hey, you don't want to take it. That's cool. That's your choice. There you go. All right, you want it? Cool. And that's the only your thing, the only thing, move on. The only thing we're going to say about what's going on in the world right now is, it's very hard to get straight information because. Big corporations own the media. Yep. They disseminate information. They give you a lot of false information, okay? Yeah. If you like the way that's going, you're going to end up in this world pretty soon because I feel like we're one step away from Blade Runner. And that's uh, what I do too. that's what was absolutely scaring the bejesus out of me watching this movie. Now, this is a movie I'm very fond of and I revisit regularly and it's a you know, there's some esoteric stuff in there and some mm-hmm. as we keep saying dense stuff in this movie and uh, a lot of deep layers of meanings. But if you just watch it on the surface now in 2021, at the time of this recording, it's just, it's wow. This is, this is where we're at. Okay. Yeah. This is where we're at. Very good. So anyway, it just absolutely terrifies me. And it just, uh, the reason I'm bringing it all up is it feels very relevant to today. It does. It really does. Before we get to some things that you want to talk about with the movie, let's talk about the cast. Let's talk about Harrison Ford. I think he's the perfect guy for this. Because he's playing in a science fiction film. He's best known for science fiction films. He's also known for playing policemen. So he's a policeman in a science fiction film. And I think that works very well for him here. Mm-hmm. This movie, they had trouble casting Deckard. And they had wanted to make this movie for a while. And anyone who was anyone in Hollywood 
was on the list of people to play Deckard, including Jack Nicholson, Dustin Hoffman, Al Pacino. Burt Reynolds was one that was thrown out, and I that would have been interesting. If you've never seen a Burt Reynolds movie called Sharky's Machine from 1981, which is a, a film noir, Burt would have been very good in this. But Harrison Ford, I think, is the right guy. Harrison Ford has that... Uh, Leave Me Alone vibe, yes. you know, that works very well for Deckard. Uh, Han Solo is famously not a joiner. And here we have a guy who's not a joiner who doesn't want to be part of this society and gets dragged back in to the society. What did you think of Harrison Ford in this movie? And then next question, how did you feel about Deckard? Because Deckard is uh, the guy who we see this movie through his eyes. Mm-hmm. And I know that's going to lead to what you want to talk about. So what do you think about Harrison here? I loved him here. I feel like he was a good choice because he just, like you said, he's got that leave me alone vibe. But he just felt, I felt like he was the one we could connect to. And that kind of ties into his character too. Because he just, I, I, I guess, you're feeling everything through him. And I think he does such a good job of you feeling that. And everything that's going on, you're living through him. And he really plays it well. That brings, let's go ahead and get it out of the way. One of the big questions with this movie, it's a debate that's been raging since it came out and ever since Ridley Scott put in a little shot of Decker dreaming of a unicorn in the uh, uh, director's cut in 92 and then it's still in the the final cut, which is what we watched. Uh, The debate has been raging as to whether or not Decker is a replicant. Ridley Scott uh, falls on the side that he's a replicant. Harrison Ford says, no, he's not. Uh, I, I tend to fall on the side that he is not a replicant, that he's a human, and you just gave all of the reasons why I think he's a human because right. I think you have to have a human to to anchor the story because you have to right. see that the guy has become humanity. He's the stand-in for humanity he's in this aware. movie. And he has the character of Roy Batty, the replicant that he's trying to find, has more empathy and, and awareness than than Rick Decker does Mm -hmm. the human, the actual human being in the story, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think, yeah, I think that's an important facet to the movie that he is human. Yeah. I I think he's human for sure. Yeah. Listen, there are arguments out there that he's a replicant. That's fine. And and they're interesting. And I, I can actually see where they're coming from. But I think at the end of the day, the movie if if this movie is to have any weight to it, to the meaning, right, it to tell has, the story properly, it, it has to be a human. Right. Okay. Yeah. They did a great job in the sequel of not quite answer, being aware of the question mm-hmm. and not quite answering answering it. it. And I thought they, I thought it was nice that they kind of let it be. Just let it be. Yeah. Just let it be. Yeah. Let you kind of come up with what you want. Exactly. <laughs> and I think he's the right guy for this. And Deckard, Deckard is just uh, the burnout. I feel the burnout from him and, and I feel where he's coming from. And, mm-hmm. and I feel, uh, I actually feel a lot of empathy in the performance, which, I, I which is interesting because there's no empathy, you know, right. in, in, in the world. So. And uh, that's what I think he plays that so well because you are feeling that empathy through him in a world that lacks it. So right. that's, it's just, right. he's, he does it so well. Right. Um, he, his, uh, his rival in this movie, uh, the antagonist, the villain, although it's hard to call him a villain is, uh, Roy Batty played by the late Rutger Hauer, who I think gives a performance for the ages in this. Oh, he is incredible. incredible, incredible in this. He is a replicant who has led a revolution. Uh, 
you could get into the religious aspect of this and say he is like Lucifer fallen from heaven. He has come to ask mm-hmm. God for more life. It is better for him to rule in hell a than <laughs> than in he- and serve in heaven. Right. He is the heart of this movie. His his predicament speaks to all of us. One day we're all going to expire and leave this mortal plane. Roy Batty doesn't want to leave the mortal plane. Roy Batty wants more life. Roy Batty wants to know why he is the way that he is. He wants to confront his creator. These are things he has questions about his existence. These are things all of us have. Oh yeah. All, all of the, us have all the time. Yeah. Since time immemorial and we don't have answers to them, do we? We don't. We don't have answers. Roy wants those answers. So in that sense, you can really feel where Roy Batty is coming from. Roy Batty also does some pretty heinous things throughout the movie, but you can kind of understand where he's coming from. What did you think of uh, Mr. Hauer and Roy Batty? I love his performance. He just has such this look. I always say that about certain people, but just his vibe and his the look of him just tied into this world so well. And he was just so good. He really was. was. So good. Anne Rice famously wanted Rutger Hauer to play the vampire Lestat that Tom Cruise played in Interview with the Vampire and Stuart Townsend played in Queen of the Damned. And uh, I wish we'd gotten to see Rutger Hauer Mm -hmm. as the vampire Lestat. Charismatic and likable, even though, you know, he's doing some questionable things. But uh, at the end of the day, he, he you feel his plight and you feel for him and. He gets to deliver one of my favorite monologues in all of cinema, the Tears in the Rain speech, which yes. he largely wrote. Yeah. Rutger Hauer did, and um, uh, it's so it, true. It though. makes me it makes me a little misty eyed when I watch it, and it's a beautiful, beautiful moment that's underscored by Vangelis. Yeah. Beautiful score. Rutger Hauer gives a really great performance here. The entire cast is really good, though. Mm-hmm. Sean Young as Rachel is really good. Edward James Olmos is a wonderful presence in this. William Sanderson, as we talked about, there's really not a bad performance in the movie. The great yeah. M. Emmett Walsh is in the movie. Um, Joe Turkle, who played Lloyd in The Shining, is uh, is in it as uh, Tyrell, wearing those wonderful big thick glasses. So, really, the look of the movie, the the story, the cast it's it's all it's all absolutely wonderful. And as I said, it's it's very horrific. Now, I know I know you said you're still processing the movie because you just watched this for the first time just a few hours ago before we did yes. the movie, which is exciting. So I'm glad I did watch wh- it today. There was one thing in particular that you wanted to talk about, and this is actually one of the huge mm-hmm. things with the movie. And what what is that? It's the eyes, the eyes everywhere in this film, and I feel like you can go so many ways with it because I feel like they even say like the eyes are the window to the soul. You know, like right. that. That could explain so much. And then certain moments you see uh, the owl has red eyes. You can kind of, you know, determine who's real or not. But I feel like there are eyes on you at all times. It stands for that as well. They visit the eye maker. Yeah. There's just, and then the death with the eyes. You know, it's just, there's, there's so many. And the creator not having good eyesight, you know, which is, which is a wonderful bit of irony. And the great line with the eye maker where he says, the things I've seen with your eyes, which, right. which is a really brilliant. And the Voigt-Kampf test, the empathy test that they give the replicants is on the eyes. Mm-hmm. The movie opens up with the, the eye. The eye, yeah. You know. Uh, so, yeah, the eyes are definitely definitely a theme yeah. throughout the movie. Like I said, I feel like you can go many ways with that in the movie. There's, there, I right. feel like there's many levels with it, you know. This movie, this movie works on that that. 
that thing where he's got all these levels. Oh yeah. You know, and that's like I said when we when we started the show. Listen, this is not going to be the end all be all analysis of Blade <laughs> Runner. It's it, it's it's a very interesting movie, and what like I said, what struck me watching at this because we could easily do three or four shows on Blade Runner oh, yeah. and, and not. <laughs> get to where you need to get really to get to where you need to get you need to watch the movie that's mm-hmm. what you need to do it's all there yeah. it's all there in the movie um yeah the eyes the symbolism of the eyes definitely definitely yeah. the symbolism of the replicants uh being like angels you know because he shoots joanna cassidy as one we didn't talk about you know and you've got the fake snake so like the garden of eden yeah. you know and uh when he shoots her in the back and the shoulders and it looks like wings you know mm-hmm. uh like i said the 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 biblical and spiritual motifs are all all here too. It's it's there's it's so dense. Right. It's so dense. I feel like there's even a thing now, you know, that's going on right now. There's like a self identity type of problem going on. And I feel like that's now. Everybody they want everybody to be the same, you know. And if yeah. you you don't, you don't want to be this way, we're going to divide right. you. And, right. You know. And then there's the uh, the transhumanism thing that's that's in this movie that uh that is currently happening now they're talking about nanotechnology and implanting uh devices into the body mm-hmm. you know and um uh even even something as simple as as an apple watch you know that monitors everything you know uh, i've heard is you know an example some people say well that's an example of transhumanism you know we're, we're moving right towards that. i saw a commercial uh before i left to come do the show tonight where you can like put something in, in your shoulder and then you can take your cell phone and have an app on there and just wave it past it. And it'll tell you like your mm-hmm. blood count and things like this. My dad's doctors actually wanted him to do that. It measures like your, um, like your blood sugar and stuff. Right. You don't have to prick your finger anymore. Right. And it's really weird. I'm in a weird place with all this because there's, there's so many benefits to, to, to so much of this stuff. And then right. there are things where I can go, I can look at it and I can go, I don't, I, that's a slippery slope right. that might lead somewhere we don't want to go, you know, and, you know, looking at the world with social media, you know, the way yeah. that we're con- quote unquote connected through social media. And this is supposed to be this thing that brings us all together and unites the world, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you know, indivisible, and blah, blah, blah. And yet it is like the they most s- false thing in the world. Right. You know, people present their false selves and then that becomes this world unto itself right you know um well there's there's that layer and then there's the layer of you can't say certain things because you get silenced and you exactly. know that's not what it's supposed to be it's not supposed to be that it, at all you know no and this actually makes me think of some emails i've been getting um apparently there was like a breach with facebook a few months ago yes and people's information was being yeah. sold and apparently my account was one of them. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't use it. It's just there. I have pictures. I need to just pull them off. I'm good. But I've been getting emails from somebody with no name saying that they've hacked into my system from Facebook. And they were, like, naming my passwords from different accounts. And wow. that they ended up, they have software that can, like, they can see me through my camera at certain moments. And it's terrifying. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know how real that is. But it's terrifying. Yeah, I've gotten two emails like that. Yeah, but then at the end they're demanding like three grand. So I'm like, you know. Yeah, I get. I've gotten emails uh, that my Facebook account has been compromised, and I don't have You're a like, Facebook you account. Have I haven't had one for almost six years now. So <laughs> it's this. This is a really terrifying movie. It, it in so many ways. Mm-hmm. You know the 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 deep seated fear of death. 
you know, and one of the things that I love about the movie is a terrible thing to live in fear, as they say. You know, right. if you live in fear, you're going to be afraid to live. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people in this movie, this world is afraid to live. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I think a lot of us these days are afraid to live in this mm-hmm. world. And it's it's a shame. It, uh, listen, no one is immune from fear. I'm not telling you that, you know, I don't deal with it. You know, we all deal with it. That's part of our condition here. But, um, yeah, it's a it's this movie hits all those spots. It hits it hits everything. It's it's really right. It, it's it, take a shot every time I say the word dense. It's a dense <laughs> it's a dense movie. It can be read so many ways. It's yeah. uh, at the end of the day, though, it's a really really good movie. Uh, it's an influential movie still. The way that it looks, you can see this movie's influence on. I'm bringing this movie up again. Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. When they go into the lower levels of Coruscant, it looks exactly like hell of right. Blade Runner. Yeah, you know, I you can see this that. on the Matrix. They've got a new Matrix movie coming out. I'm sure they're going to pull, you know, influence from Blade Runner. If mm-hmm. you watch uh, the film Cloud Atlas, there's a there's a bit that takes place in Korea in the future. It looks exactly like the world of Philip K. Dick. Uh, there was a Philip K. Dick anthology series. Uh, I think it's called Electric Sheep, if I'm not mistaken, on on Amazon, I think, that pulls from okay. his vast work. Philip K. Dick's a really interesting guy. Philip K. Dick, apparently, he wrote a, a series of books called the Valus Trilogy. And uh, Philip K. Dick was uh, apparently channeling something from the other side, was getting downloads. And if you know anything about spirituality and metaphysics, you know, there's thing, you know, you can be open and you can get these downloads, you know. And Philip K. Dick apparently got downloads. And he was in with the people in Silicon Valley and a lot like George Orwell, who knew some things, and, and Robert K. Heinlein before him, who... who who knew some things possibly mm-hmm. i'm sorry not highland uh huxley uh with uh, brave new world who were in with with them the elite you know mm-hmm. and were kind of letting some things out and right. uh philip k dick might have possibly known some things really interesting stuff though with him with the downloads and uh yeah check that out do a little bit of research on that let us know what you think about that <laughs> so really great movie though right oh it really is like i said i think i got most of it but it definitely does, it definitely in. deserves a rewatch to really Absolutely it does. get ever just Absolutely. everything in. Absolutely. Okay, um I don't want to score it right now. We'll do that when we get back. Okay. Uh but just two questions. Okay. Surface level, just what do you think of the movie Surface Level? The private detective sci-fi futuristic thriller. Oh my god, it's like right up my alley, you Great. know. <laughs> uh the deeper level uh, the spiritual, metaphysical uh, stuff going, literary stuff. It's going amazing, on. amazing. You know, it's it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolute masterpiece. It really right? is. This is in the uh, Library of Congress. Uh, it was selected for preservation. It's on the AFI 100 Greatest Movies list at 97. Uh, Production wise, still, still, when you do dystopian, bleak future, this is the look. This is like it is. The, it's like a is, work of art. You yeah. know, I mean, it just it feels like they took the special effects work from Star Wars and took that to like the next kind of level, right. the next logical place with it. Uh, the spinners, uh, the the cars, they call the police mm-hmm. car spinners. Yeah, just a very influential design. Yeah. If uh, real quick before we take a break, uh, if you like this movie, there is a side quill. I guess you'd call it. It's a movie that kind of sort of takes place in the same universe called Soldier that David Peoples wrote. Kurt Russell is in it, and it's very influenced by this. And a lot of people say that this that it's the kind of spiritual sequel okay. to Blade Runner. And uh, that, that I think the Kurt Russell character is like a replica. Kind. We need to watch that. I might like be Kurt some, Russell. <laughs> might be something we need to do. Yeah, I remember yeah. 
when that movie came out, not a lot of people liked it. And I remember I watched it and I really liked it. And I was like, okay, okay. okay. But I didn't get the Blade Runner connection. Well, at the I, time. I think a lot of people, especially like Blade Runner, even maybe with the other movie, if you're not really sitting down to watch it, yeah. you're probably going to get lost. And then, yeah. you know, you're just seeing this kind of weird world. You know, you yeah. might not like it. You really need to you need to look at it. You need to pay attention to it. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very well said. Well, we are going to take a very short pause. This is a news break. We have a special editorial from our station manager. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And we will see you on the other side. I'm Dan. And I am Faith. You're listening to The Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. See you on the other side. This weekend is the Cozy Corner Police Used Vehicle and Equipment Auction on the beautiful banks of Cozy Lake. Come down and let us fit you in the police cruiser of your dreams. We've got guns, fun, and it's all in the sun. Only on the beautiful banks of Cozy Lake. We will be offering free, that's right, free self-defense classes for the ladies. Ladies, come bid on the used police cruiser of your dreams and learn how to cause maximum damage to a man's testicles. Only at the Cozy Corner Police Used Vehicle and Equipment Sale this weekend on the beautiful banks of Cozy Lake. Scary ghosts, creepy serial killers, horrible horoscopes. Open Shutters is a creepy podcast guaranteed to make your skin crawl. Join hosts Barry Marino and Philip Landry as they take you on a hair-raising journey recorded in the most haunted city in America, New Orleans, Louisiana. Open Shutters is available on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Google, and many others. Enjoy the view from the open shutters, but don't fall out of the window. WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio Station Manager Dave Dinko. I find it incumbent upon myself, as the manager of the sixth highest rated public radio station in the great city of Cozy Corner, to speak with you this evening in order to address some salacious internet rumors and hopefully to quell some fears. Life is pretty good here in Cozy Corner. Just last month, our city council, under the direction of our beloved Mayor Lucius Morningstar, voted unanimously to install a roundabout in our fair hamlet, which should add to our already considerable cosmopolitan appeal, and we are optimistic we will be getting a Whataburger franchise in the very near future. What a burger! what a rush. Life is pretty good, but Cozy Corner, like the rest of the world, was not immune to the dreaded poo-poo-19 virus that ravaged the planet. 
You don't need me to remind you of the damage this rapscallion causes, but I will anyway. Uncontrollable flatulence, irritable bowel, soft, watery fecal discharge, cramps, bloating, singed anus. I could go on, but I'm not going to. Those at risk for contracting poo 19 are the lactose intolerant, and those that's diets consist mostly of Tex-Mex cuisine. The virus is highly treatable with a combination of Tums, Pepto-Bismol, and Preparation H for the most severe cases. The Cozy Corner Institute of Science and Stuff has developed a vaccine for this deadly, deadly virus, but some of you out there are just refusing to take it. Well, I'm here to tell you that our patience has run out, and I'm going to address some rumors going around about the vaccine, which, by the way, is 100% safe and effective. Internet rabble-rousers claim the vaccine causes swollen testicles, sterility, a swollen heart, rectal bleeding, anal fissures, mucus-like discharges from all major and minor orifices, headaches, dizziness, a lethargic mood, low energy, and a ravenous desire to listen to K-pop. These allegations are uniformly false. The vaccine, which is 100% safe and effective, does indeed cause swollen testicles, sterility, a swollen heart, rectal bleeding, anal fissures, mucus-like discharges from all major and minor orifices, headaches, dizziness, a lethargic mood, and low energy. It does not, however, cause a ravenous desire to listen to K-pop. You may, however, find yourself listening to Bonnie Raitt's landmark 1989 album, Nick of Time, and let's face it, that's a fabulous collection of songs. Her slide guitar work is impeccable. I urge all of you to get the Poopoo 19 vaccine and to heed the warnings of our big tech overlords and not listen to any dissenting voices. This is Dave Dinko, station manager for WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Thank you. back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we have been talking about Ridley Scott's 1982 dystopian masterpiece Blade Runner. Faith, it was your first time watching it. I'm really glad that you that you enjoyed it. Yes. And you hit the nail on the head. There's a lot to take in. So <laughs> there is. multiple viewings are definitely, definitely encouraged. Mm-hmm. So in lieu of stars, we are going to be awarding this in the category of overall film, and we're going to be giving it tinfoil, aluminum, origami unicorns, unicorns. that uh, I love it. that uh, gaff makes throughout the movie. It makes those <laughs> little stick figures that are commentaries on on the action of the movie. So, uh, Faith, how many tinfoil unicorns did you give Blade Runner? I had to give it four. I mean, for obvious reasons. There's just there's so much greatness in it. The look of it, the, the just the themes going on in it, the production, the characters, everything. It's just so well done. And I really loved it. Same, same here. It's it's this is a masterpiece. It really is. It's <laughs> it's really it's really great. I'm a Ridley Scott fan, and this is my favorite Ridley Scott movie. This is one of my favorite Harrison Ford movies. I, I think he tends to get overlooked a little bit in this movie, but his performance, I think, really adds to what this movie is doing. I think so. I feel like in a lot of ways it's kind of the perfect vehicle for him. Now, right. unfortunately, he he didn't think much of the movie. He and Ridley Scott had a few run-ins on the movie. They have since patched I that up. I think I read that this is 
Ridley Scott's favorite of his movies. Yeah. And uh, Rutger Hauer's was one of this, the favorite yeah. movies he did. And Harrison thought, because uh, Harrison has a blue-collar mentality, and God bless him for it, uh, that because it didn't do as well at the box office as it should have, that maybe yeah. people didn't like it. And he has started to reassess it a little bit. And I'm glad he has because this is one of my favorite performances of his. I think Mine too, yeah. I think you can really see what a, what a great actor he really is because what he's doing is very hard to do, mm-hmm. to the grounding this the way that he does and, and really, yeah. not doing a lot, just kind of being, you right. know. Uh, really, really great. It's 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 four stars. It's four four. I'm sorry. It's four unicorns. Unicorns so, and stars. We've been talking a lot about the dystopian future that we both feel like we're what maybe one step, two steps away <laughs> from close. from living in. And I wanted to to end our discussion on Blade Runner with a little bit of optimism because I think we're living in times where we need optimism and we do. Sometimes I feel that optimism can be looked at a little cockeyed mm-hmm. with a little bit of cynical, mm-hmm. you know, cynicism, a little bit of cynicism. Right. I'm certainly guilty of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of looking at uh, what I call sunshine pumpers and, and uh, you know, cheerleaders sometimes and, and going, man, just chill out. Yeah, chill out. But so maybe I need to take my own advice here. And how how do we overcome it? You know, that's maybe that's, you know, we're talking about how bad things are. Maybe we should be talking about how do we overcome it? Well, there's there's one surefire way, I believe, to overcome it. And if you've listened at all to David Icke, the quote unquote conspiracy theorist, I use that term very loosely. (laughs) It really doesn't matter what you think of David Icke or what he's presenting. I tend to fall on the side that I think a lot of what David Icke is presenting is very true. But that doesn't matter because what David Icke says about how do we persevere and how do we continue and how do we ultimately achieve victory as human beings, fully realized human beings, and that's through heart-centered living. And I believe that if we can get out of our heads Mm -hmm. and we can get into our hearts and we can connect. Mm -hmm. And here's something else that I've heard recently, again, going back to the Coast to Coast AM uh, podcast, your heart creates an energy field and scientists have actually determined that that energy field has intelligence. So go figure. Mm -hmm. How many times in your life have you been up in your head making a decision and it's always been the wrong thing? Your gut heart area is telling you something different. Right. You know? Right. So if we want to come out of this, I believe that we need to get really into heart centered living. I I think we need to be exercise a little more empathy with our fellow man, our fellow woman, with our fellow creatures. Mm-hmm. So that's all I'm going to say. I hope that didn't sound like I'm up on a soapbox, but I think, no, I think the times that we live in, I think that's that's good advice. And that's um, I think it is. I think that's how you do it. And that's something that you can do yourself. You don't have to have anyone else do it for you. You don't have to have someone regulate it from the government. Right. Something you can do yourself. Practice kindness with yourself. Practice kindness with those around you. Turn off the news. And turn off the news and turn off the... Put your phones down for a Advertisements. Bit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Unplug. Absolutely. Unplug. Get out in nature. Walk around in nature. Take your, take your shoes off and just go stand in the grass for a few minutes. Get back in touch with that beautiful energy that's out there and yeah. it's ours to access at all times. So mm-hmm. that's, how you, that's how you win. Yeah. That's how you win. So there you go. And then we're going to leave it on a bleak note. It's a pretty bleak movie. Right. It is. Speaking of which, what did you think of the ending? I liked it. Yeah. Those last like twenty minutes 
for some of my favorite things happening in that movie. Like, yeah, it's good. You know, it's, it was really good. It was really good. Yeah. Good. Mo- it's it's a great movie. There's a reason why it's on all these lists. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, um, and it feels like it was made just yesterday. Like it was released yesterday because yeah. of the way it looks. It, it's really timeless. It's it is, really yeah. really timeless. Great film. Great it's film. It's terrifyingly beautiful. You know, at the same time. That's 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 the last thing I want to say about this. I was talking to a good friend of mine. She's in uh, design. That's her. That's her field of specialty, and she does it for a living. And I talked to her about. Blade Runner. I said, I'm watching Blade Runner. I've been thinking about you because I'm sure this is a movie that when you look at it, you go, oh my God, you know, <laughs> you just melt. You know? Right. And she's like, oh yeah. And we stumbled on that is something really ironic about how terrifying the world is, but how beautiful it is at the same time, the same to, time. to look at. So there's a real irony happening yeah. in the movie. So great stuff. Great stuff. If, if you haven't watched it in a while, watch it. Uh, Anyway, we started Sci Frightmare Month with four films. As we said, we have The Blob, we have Blade Runner. Well, Blade Runner's out of there. Got it out of there tonight. <laughs> we have a uh, Fire in the Sky, and we have Event Horizon. So, and I've never seen any of them. Yes. <laughs> so it's exciting. Exciting. More exciting so I haven't seen these in a while. So except for The Blob, which I watched in the past year. So I'm now going to pick our next movie. How similar is it to? The most recent version is it? Is it the fairly close? The fifty-eight mm-hmm. and eighty-eight. Oh, they're pretty. They're pretty spot on with each for other. For the most part, yeah. Okay. For the most part, yeah. The beats are a lot the same. Okay. So, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. You out there can probably hear the papers being shuffled. <laughs> I have our next movie, Faith. I'm excited. What do we have? Well, all right. From 1958, <laughs> we have The Blob from director Irving Yeaworth, starring Steve McQueen and Anita Corsat. A gelatinous alien entity begins enveloping everything in his path, and it's up to Steve McQueen to stop it. Faith, you want to know how similar they are? Well, we're going to find out. It's like I knew. Find out pretty <laughs> soon. So there you go. You have your homework. As always, we would like to thank all of you for listening. We would like to extend our best to all of you all around the world, be a spook, specter, or astral traveler. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. It means so much to us. We love talking about movies. We love having this conversation every week. Talking about movies is fun. Talking about horror movies is a whole lot of fun. Horror is a communal experience, and it's a lot of fun to watch a horror movie with an audience. It's a lot of fun to watch a horror movie with a group of people. So we're urging you in these times that we find ourselves living in, get your group of friends together and watch some of these movies. Mm-hmm. Talk about these movies. It's fun to talk about movies. It's fun to see where these conversations will lead. We're living in times where the powers that be want to keep us apart. They want to keep us apart on lines of race, color, creed, sexuality, gender, age, health, anything you can think of, any way they can divide us, they want to do that. Faith and I don't believe that. That's not how we live our lives. Uh, We don't want you to live in fear. Mm -mm. We don't live in fear. We don't want you to live in fear. And we sincerely hope that this show just brings a smile to your face. Late late Norm MacDonald said it's one thing to make people laugh. It's another to leave them with a smile on their face. We hope that you've laughed at some of the silly stuff that we've had on the show tonight. We hope you've been able to think about some things. We hope that you watch Blade Runner. We hope that you take the lessons of Blade Runner and apply them to your life. And uh, <laughs> But it's just a privilege and a pleasure to do this show with my great friend over here, my often replicated but never imitated <laughs> co-host and uh it's a it's a pleasure and privilege to bring it to all of you out there and as always 
We hope you're happy. We hope you're healthy. We hope you're safe. We hope you're unplugging. We hope you're verifying what you're hearing. Be careful out there and know that we love you. We have your back. <laughs> so take your vitamins. Absolutely. That's the other thing. Take your vitamins. Get back to nature. Faith, do you have anything you want to add before we go? I think you covered everything. I think you, I think you, I think you got it. Faith, you raised a good question. How similar is the original blob? To the new version of The Blob. Well, we're going to find, find out. out. There you go, 1958's The Blob is up next. Faith and I have a date with some food and the 1993 movie Conehead, so we have to get out of here. It's that, it is that time for us, and it's that time for the show. Are you ready, Faith? I am ready. On the count of three, let's snap the fingers and see if the magic happens. Can we make the music start one more time? Let's see. Here we go. One, two, three. Ah, the magic happened again. <laughs> was it magic? Or was it editing? We'll You'll ne never know. We'll never tell. We'll never <laughs> tell. Thank you all again for tuning in. Um, the Blob is up next. Hopefully we don't find ourselves living in hell a luxury Alcatraz anytime soon. Live from the heart. That's all I'm going to say. Faith, take us home. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep, keep your, your monster, monster on, on a leash. leash. We'll see you on the other side. Making late night fright is a lot of fun, isn't it, Faith? What with all of the slashers, the creatures, the thrills, the chills, the kaiju. Gesundheit. Thank you. There's now a way for you to support the show. You can donate directly to the show to help us offset some of our operational costs. That would be our hosting fees and when we occasionally need to run a movie. If you go to our official site, thelatenightfright.podbean.com, and click the Become a Patron tab in the top right-hand corner. You'll find everything you need to help the late-night fright stay spooky. That's a lot of information. You're not expecting our awesome listeners to go back and write all that down, are you? Nope. If you check the show description, you'll find a link right to the site. Also, if the spirits move you, leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. That is always appreciated. You're doing the most important thing you can right now by listening. We appreciate you tuning in every week. We know you have a lot of options as to how you spend your time, and we are flattered you choose to spend a little time with us here in Cozy Corner. You can also email us at latenightfrightpodcast at gmail.com. That link is also in the show description. That's almost too easy. That's what she said. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for your continued support. Stay spooky. <laughs> <laughs>